This is On the Block with Brent Axe. You heard the man. Welcome back. Or welcome aboard. Either way, happy you're here. Happy Friday, everybody. It's Friday the 13th. This man sitting here in studio with me now is having a very lucky day. I am. Let's not jinx it, though. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, say hello to the new radio analyst, pregame, halftime, postgame, the Syracuse IMG Sports Network. Julian Wiggum hey. is in studio. Sorry, all I got for you. I just, no, uh, there's a cheesecake that the Dan Levitard show sent out in the hall. If you'd oh. like some of that uh, to celebrate. That yes. Oh, man. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank Mr. you. Big time. See, we had to make you choose a job. Like, you had every other job. You were on with us. You were on Hughes Nation. You were on Noons. You were on Syracuse.com. You yeah. were doing the, uh, every outlet in town. Uh, Julian was doing uh, Orange Nation. Last yeah. year on television, so we said no, we got to pare it down a little bit. There other people need jobs. Okay, <laughs> can somebody else have some of these jobs? So that is awesome. Congratulations, man! I'm glad that you're still going to be working with us. And, yep. You know, you'll hear as we go through the season. Julian will be hanging on the shows, and of course on the uh, broadcast itself. But to go from being a player at Syracuse now associated with the university as a broadcaster, what's that like for you? Oh man, it's been crazy. Um, just this entire process of uh, kind of transitioning out of football or out of playing football at least, and still loving the game. But actually, I got tired of it. You know, I had the opportunity to, to play, keep playing um, in the CFL, and I got tired of working out. And like, you know, I'm cool with being, you know, 185 and eating Twix and Coke. <laughs> That's that's all right with me, uh, you know. Go, I, I just man. got to, you know that that grind. I eventually I, it didn't stimulate any stimulate me anymore. And um, well, it's good that you knew when you can get out. Yeah, there's a lot of players that they maybe don't. hang on four or five years too late. Yeah, no. and I think sometimes they they have to. And in my situation, I had already gotten acceptance to Newhouse because I had always wanted to go anyway. So um, getting having that in the back pocket, and I'm like, you know, I kind of I kind of want to do this. And I got the offer when I was already in class that summer. I'm like, no, I like this way more. So the transition to kind of pick my path and start with Newhouse and then kind of get opportunities, you know, here and there and everywhere else. Um, and then get to explore radio, get to explore print, uh, do some TV stuff with you and everything. Yeah, it's been fun. It's it's something I didn't I didn't I, never, I didn't even know about this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, I did interviews and everything, but I didn't really know what this was just being a radio station or a TV station and everything. And this is a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun to talk about football, um, give people details that may, they may not not they may not see. Um, you know, in, in a regular game. So just giving them that kind of insight, and it seems to be really good. They give me a lot of good feedback on what they um, have questions about or what they like to hear. So uh, I enjoy it. And so being in the studio, uh, you know, those pregames and halftime shows, uh, it'll be a lot of fun because it gives me time to sit down and really explain, you know, those little ins and outs that people may not understand, uh, you know, when it comes to media. I think that's what people really appreciate, your insight there. They love your personality. And what caught my eye was, you know, what you were doing on Twitter last <laughs> summer at camp. And I'm like, nobody else is doing this. Nobody else has this insight. And obviously, you have an advantage being a player. You mm -hmm. see it differently than I would showing up to practice. But you made it very relatable to people. You take football verbiage can be complicated. And you just the way in, in, a, in a perfect format in this world today, because you have to explain things in 280 characters or quickly on video or in, in sound bites on radio. Like we have a little more room yep. to, to kind of yap here and you will <laughs> on the broadcast as well, but you have to be succinct and you have to get to the point and you have to make it relatable and understandable for people. And I think you did a great job with that. And I think people appreciate your enthusiasm. They certainly remember you from, from playing here. It's a combination of a number of things that fuel into this. So 
on your role, you, you just kind of mentioned it there. Let me follow up. So on this role, which will be pregame and halftime on the mm-hmm. Syracuse IMG Sports Network, certainly you'll have topics that they'll discuss and assignments that you'll be given. But is your biggest goal to do just that, to take the game, break it down, and kind of filter it for people so they know what they're walking into on that particular game day? No, yeah, absolutely. That's the number one thing when you, as a studio analyst, you want to be able to break down bits and pieces, whether it's that pregame show, what questions people might have going into the game, how do people match up in certain situations. Um, I've only coached here and there at the high school level, but being a player, we have to always go through the game plan, understand who our matchups are and all that. So to take everything that I've learned from the college game and even that little bit of time in the NFL and then break that down and put just a little bit of sauce on it so people enjoy it, um, you know, that that would that's what makes me excited, and that's what I think I can really bring to a pregame. And then during halftime, we've, we've just seen what's going on. And my favorite, I used to do um, the halftime breakdowns for Noon's Magician. And there would be people, you know, in the in the second quarter asking me questions. Hey, can you address this in the halftime breakdown? In the first quarter, hey, can you address this? Um, and there could be little stuff going on, like the Miami game, for example, last year. Um, but Syracuse is down, but they were still in. And everybody was super upset, you know, this because the momentum wasn't there. You kind of feel Miami had, you know, control of it. And there was, you know, a lot of a lot of guys just tongue-lashing the this, this Syracuse football team. And I'm like, wait, guys, we're, we're good. It's all good. There's still a chance. They're only down by eight points. And to explain, here's where they can succeed. Here's where they've been doing, you know, not doing as well. Um, I think that kind of helped settle people. One, and I think it, I'm trying to help you be a better fan, you know, because I'm seeing like, no, it's okay, you're good, we're still good, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, and I'm trying to just explain that to people, and uh, you know, having that little those times in the pregame, the halftime, and then even some postgame stuff, trying to break down certain situations and kind of talk about this football team and, and where they're doing well, where they're struggling, kind of highlight some guys that may not be getting attention. Like, I always bring Chris, Chris Frederick, you know, because right. that, that spring game, no one talked about him. I'm like, he had the best game. Right. So being able to highlight certain uh, players, um, you know, certain topics, certain situations that may not come to the eye right away, um, I think that's my favorite part about doing this whole deal and to do it for IMG and the pre- and halftime shows. See, there's great. a question, and I know every game is different in a sense, but let me follow up on that. Generally, how much adjustment does take place at halftime? Because I think that's one of those narratives that fans have. Has, halftime adjustments. Halftime adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? how does that process work? Like you said, if you're playing Miami and you're only down by eight, maybe you don't want to change anything. If no. you're down by 21, yeah, we got to, you know, do things differently in the second half. But given that Syracuse has a high-octane offense as it is, they're always going to go at that pace. The adjustment would be to slow down. Defense has to, okay, move this guy here, move that guy there, you know, flip things around, that kind of thing. Tell me about halftime adjustments. Is there always adjustments of some sort of just a matter of, you know, uh, I guess the the frequency of them? Um, it depends on, A, your coach and the situation. So I've had Coach Barone, Scott Schaefer, and Mike Tomlin, you know, coaching me during halftime. And they all have different approaches. And uh, Schaefer is definitely the most fiery, you know, of the three. Uh, Marone had his – he only got fired when there was, like, a real issue. That was when you knew there were going to be adjustments. Um, other times, if we were up or it was a close game that we weren't supposed to be in, Marone, he's like, hey, guys, we're good. We're good. Keep it up. You know, this is what we're seeing. A couple of adjustments here and there. We're good. They make it real quick. Schaefer, fiery regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> shocked to hear this news. We could be up by 20. We could be down by 20. It's just, come on, guys. We, like, just a lot of energy. And then he'll delegate, you know, to whatever coach to help whatever guys. And then um, having Tomlin, he was probably the smoothest 
out of everything. And with Pittsburgh, we were always up at halftime. I only played a couple games for them. But at Pitt, Pitt, we were always up. And his deal, he was very individual. He would come talk to you right away. This is what you're getting. And that was really interesting because that wasn't something we did in college. But it really depends on what kind of situation you're coming into halftime like and what kind of matchups you expected versus what you're getting. Film always prepares you, but the actual game is obviously reality and what you have to deal with. So it's just a matter of preparation and then applying what new information you've gotten. It'll be interesting to see you know, what you feel the halftime adjustments should be, getting to know Dino Babers as you have from your position before, but now that you're kind of on the inside a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> you've crossed the, the velvet rope, if you will, knowing how he coaches, getting to know the coaches themselves, and, and telling the audience about that because, you know, it's all Dino all the time. We don't mm-hmm. talk to the assistant coaches, but I think in your role you're going to have at least some, some more access yeah. for people and, can, and take that and and equate that into insight, and we're really looking forward to that. i got to sneak in a break. You want to hang out for a little bit here? And I'm here. We'll get into a little bit more of, you know, positionally what are happening, what we'll see in training camp, some expectations for the season, and and get a little more, you know, kind of nuts and bolts, X's and O's stuff, and really start to dig in on this football team, which a month from now, they're going to be in training camp. I mean, it's right around the corner. baby. It's nice and hot outside and ready to go. Always your favorite. (laughs) We'll take a break. We'll come back. Our buddy Julian Wiggum is in studio and now uh, an analyst on the Syracuse IMG Sports Network. Hang in there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. You know who this is? Oh, here we go again. You always hit me with this. I'll let it play for a minute. I mean, it's going to be a no. It sounds like something you listen to in an elevator. And you're like, oh, look at this good oh, elevator. How dare you? If I tell you the name of the song, will it help? Let me hear the name. 10th Avenue Frieza. You could have been. You'll, you'll know this voice. Who's this? All right, Julian, uh, uh, nice stump, seeing you. Stump. Congratulations <laughs> on your new little gig oh, or whatever Oh, man, I'm out the door again. Bye-bye! <laughs> Julian Wiggum, ladies and gentlemen, still hanging in studio with us here. It happens every time I play my music bumps and you have no idea who it is. That's not... F- no idea who it is. I got to come in here with some Lil Uzi Vert. And See, and I have no idea who that is. Boom! And they get you out the door. See, you hit me with some songs. We can help each other. Oh, man. Can, well, I wouldn't put can, you onto that. I put some new stuff on my iPod. I could put some old stuff on yours. Okay. Learn Do you have Drake on, on on right now? I know Scorpion. who Drake is. Scorpion. That's what you need in your life. It'll make There's, you feel better. You know what I am aware of? There's some sort of Drake challenge going on right now. Like in my feelings. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, Will Smith ended it because he yeah, went on, like, top he, he, of he a bridge. Yes. It's like, yeah, how do you top that? You can't. You, you can't. can't top. Yes, and it was good because it was yeah. about time for it to end. And I know what that is. <laughs> it was on the Today Show. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I know show. what that is. I'm in. That's how big that got. Oh, and then man. there's this thing. Um, we'll get some football, I promise. But then there's this thing. What's what's the? It's a dance, and you move really quick, and it's it, the thing with your teeth. What do they call it? Floss, the floss the dance. The floss. You know what the floss dances the kids are doing these days? I don't know what the it's floss really is. It's really freaky. My daughter does it, and like you move your arms back and forth. It oh, oh, freaks me out. So. That must be in the depths right now. No, By the way, uh, you're talking like you're the young hipster here. So Julian comes in, like, hey, how are things going? You got you got a new apartment, and you're like, oh, I'm still living up on campus. They're going to be like partying. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, old man. 
Listen, I don't want to... Those, those hipster kids with their parties on a college campus. Look, man, I enjoy some Drake. I enjoy, you know, my beer whenever I can get it. But, you know, I don't want to be up Man's past 12. Sleep. That's yeah. it. You know you're old when you're like, I need my sleep. Yeah, I got to wake up in the morning. I'm with you. See? Welcome <laughs> to the club. Pretty soon you're going to be knowing what those songs are, old man. Yeah, responsibility isn't cool, though. All right, so look, the biggest question for Syracuse football this year... Yes. Is the defense? Yep. Okay, I know people want to talk about hey quarterback Tommy DeVito. Yep. Look over here, bright flashy things. But the meat and potatoes of this football team is yep. that defense has got to hang on. Mm-hmm. The average score of the last three games of the season last year was fifty four to twenty two. Yep. Average score. Now look, let's be fair. Starting quarterbacks out, injuries were piling up. Depth is not at the point where you can lose a number of starters, plug and play, and they're going to hang on. Mm-hmm. But that was a drop off a cliff from a program where, you know, in the middle of the season, Brian Ward was nominated for, I forget the name of the award, but it's for the, yeah. one of the best assistant coaches in the country. And it looked like, okay, there's enough here to get the six wins. Yeah. There's enough here that they're going to hang on. So let's revisit that. Why did that defense just fall apart the way that it did? And what's the best way to avoid that this year, you know, barring injury? I think it was a combination of season fatigue, one, they got to about game six, seven, eight, I think it was, and that's where the super drop-off came in. Um, I also think it was quarterback talent. You know, they started to play a string quarterbacks who were all very good, you know, the Lamar Jacksons of the world and such like that. Um, Even the kid from Wake Forest, John Wolford. Wolford! Came in blew and, up. like, a huge game. He caught me because I remember we did the um, the Orange Nation show and it was Wake Forest coming. I'm like, oh, no, Wake Forest, ah, that should be a game they could take care of. And then I went back and watched the, their game, their past couple of games. I'm like, wait a second, they're pretty good. This quarterback's darn good. He hit yeah. a, a cover two, a fade against cover two against from the far side of the field. I'm like, oh, oh, this isn't going to be good. Senior quarterback. Yep. So he had been hurt a little bit, but finally yep. got healthy and just, yeah, he talented, set records. Yeah, yeah, he talented set quarterbacks, records. man. 40-5 re- to five second half score of that game last yeah. year. Yeah, that was, that was painful. That was painful to yeah. watch. But it's, it's those talented quarterbacks, especially experienced quarterbacks who know how to digest a defense, and if they have a coordinator who can also kind of speed up the tempo and also and, and read those defenses quickly, you know, they're very easy to tear up. And then my third thing is I genuinely believe, and Coach Babers, he may get mad at me, I'm sorry. I think that the first we, day on the job, be careful now. I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, I think that an up-tempo offense in practice is not good for your defense. No, it's not. I, I think that's fair to say. I don't think so just because you're going up-tempo, and when you're trying to get quality defensive reps, that I just think on defense more so than the offense, you got to have time to really stick and, and apply. Because you're not facing tempo every game. You're going to see it, but you're not going to see it as often right. as they practice against right. it. Right, and it's not even just facing tempo. It's do I have time to coach this up correctly? Because on defense, and at least in the defensive backfield and with your linebackers, when you're trying to cover, you know, passing lanes and such, there are certain coverages that you have to master to understand how to just defeat that concept. But if you're just seeing the concept, you get beat by it, uh, yell at them real fast, get beat by the next concept, oh, stop the third concept. That's not good for your defense. It, it never will be. And there's a reason why those up-tempo offenses always have really shoddy defense. Look at the Big 12. Even starting to start in the Pac-12 a little bit. You know, it's a very obvious trend. So my not giving any coaching advice because I don't want to do it. But my thought is you got to slow down on offense to help this defense some. And I'm really hoping that training camp 
so far. You know, I'm, I hope that that's a really big opportunity for them to kind of understand what happened last season. How do we make those adjustments and and come in? Plus, plus, you know, we're supposed to be that that second season click for them. We kind of saw a little bit here and there. Clemson, I thought that was a great click for them, uh, but. It, it, I think this third season with having healthy guys, unfortunately, a little bit younger defense, but having a healthy uh, a healthy team, I think that will be the number one thing for this team to find that real click and really start to touch six, seven, eight games. You brought up kind of the magic bullet of this defense, and that is they have a lot of experience. They've got to replace a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Do they have the talent to at least – look, it's hard to replace Zaire Franklin, who's in an NFL training camp, and Paris Bennett, who was terrific, and, and Jonathan Thomas, who made his plays. Mm-hmm. So you've got – the Andrew Armstrong's the world, the Ryan Guthrie's the world, uh, Keelan Whitner, uh, a few names that are going to emerge from some younger players. You know, Shai Cullen was playing a little linebacker. Maybe you can add a name or two that you saw in, in, in spring ball that I'm not mentioning here. But do you see the capability of talent to step up and replace the production that those three prior put up? I'm predicting the defensive line to take over this year. Okay. And the reason for it was because they were dominant in the first half of the season and then... Uh, you know when the, I'm sorry when when this secondary when they're on the on their game then they work together. I, this is the reason I was stopped for a second. Like I don't want to disrespect these linebackers, but there's a reason for the defensive line and the secondary. Those guys work together the most. Yes. And when those blitz packages were hitting from Coach Ward, you know, early in the season, especially against LSU, defensive line was killing it. You know, even when they didn't bring pressure, defensive line was getting after it. And then teams were starting to get worried. Oh, we're going to get pressure from from safety here. Maybe a linebacker can come from there. It, they work together, but I think this defensive line this year, especially when you're in that Tampa 2 in a zone scheme where you're not always bringing pressure, if those defensive linemen can get after it, this entire defense, you'll see it. And they, We saw it last year a little bit. That defensive line, if they can play well, it'll make so it'll make it so much easier for the rest of the back end, that back seven. And I'm excited because we just saw, uh, I think, Stephen Bailey posted the uh, the weight changes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, First of all, first of all, whatever they're eating and doing in that gym, that's working. It's it, Yo! Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh working. my gosh! They're building monsters in there. I'm so excited. Every year they just get bigger. And I'm like, Coach E, what you feeding them? Let me come by, Coach E. <laughs> not <laughs> Twix and Coke. Yeah, that's, that. that's not gonna do it. But I'm I'm healthy enough, Coach E. Just get me right. You know, I gotta look good on the beach too. But <laughs> but but they're doing a great job uh, in that weight room developing those guys. So I, and we just saw. Uh, Slayton hitting what was it, was it 475 for yeah. three? That's yeah. wild. So this this defense, it's across the board too, Josh Black, all those guys. They're just getting so much bigger, stronger, faster. They're accelerating off the ball. I saw it last year, accelerating off the ball better. And then in spring practice, they were getting after it. I think this defensive line will be the key to defensive improvement well, in 2018. Well, in, in your neck of the woods in the secondary, and we might see him a little bit on offense too, Antoine Cordy, are you familiar with Bruce Feldman's Freaks list? Yes. Antoine Cordy made that list. Doesn't surprise me. Which is great but he hasn't stayed healthy the last two years, unfortunately. So he's the name on defense, the name on offense, of course, that's got to make it through is Eric Dungy. Yep. Difference is, now you got depth at quarterback. You mentioned last year, quarterback play started to tail off. That's no offense to Zach Mahoney, who actually had a, a terrific game last year where he threw for 397 yards, but yeah. it's one of those games, that, the Wake Forest game, yeah. the defense, defense just fell apart. Rex Culpepper, what a story in the offseason. We wish him all the best, but he's got some catching up to do. Tommy DeVito's the real deal. You've mentioned it on this show. The team likes him. Mm-hmm. They respect him. They know his game. Dungy's the guy, though. And if Dungy stays healthy with an experienced offensive line and an offense that, yes, lost Steve Ishmael, lost to Nerf Phillips, but I think has shown a little bit more of that plug-and-play opportunity yep. there, then, you know, 
you just kind of need a little bit of balance and a little bit more health from the defense because it, it appears the offense, you mentioned the second-year click, that offense just seems to be streamlined. It's, yep. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it. It's just, okay, we got to figure out who's going to make up for that production that uh, you know you lost from, from Irv and Steve last year at wide receiver. Yeah, no, spot on. I've always thought for the offense, the wide receiver, wide receiver talent – It'll be there. You know, that production will always be there. They'll have someone who will step in, and, and we don't know who it is. You know, there's a couple favorites that I have, but don't know who it is right now. Uh, there's going to be someone who steps in. Offensive line, their experience. That's my. I'm most excited about is that their experience. They've played. It's been like two, three seasons almost together. Uh, Eric Dungy should be back, uh, healthier than ever. Is I shouldn't say this, saying stay in the pocket a little bit more because we always say it. You should say that. You mean you shouldn't say that? Because I don't want to take away his running ability. No, no, no. no. That's what he does. And look, I know I always say this, and then I end up watching highlights, and I say the same thing. Oh, why why are we telling this guy to stay in the pocket? Well, you're telling this guy to stay in the pocket because you come out of the pocket, bad things happen. He kicked someone in the chest last year for a 25-yard game. God bless him. But you know what? I want my quarterback (laughs) in the pocket making throws. Okay. Okay. I I got running backs that can kick people in the chest. And I know that fires up the team, and I know... That he can make those plays. The thing is, Dungy, you don't want to take away a talent from a quarterback. Right. Or any player for that. Matter. And that's the worst. You don't want to. That's why Lamar Jackson was so difficult to defend because yes. he was that six skill player. A to multifaceted def- player. I just think you got to reel it back a little bit. That's, I think he takes off too soon sometimes. I think you got to hang in that pocket that extra second well, and see if a play develops. I think he wanted to make the throw. And his offensive line let him down more often than not. See, that's fair. I think he he's got a better instinct to that than, than we do watching. Because because this yeah. offense is only like one or two reads every time. He looks the one side of the field, gets it out of his hand. It, there's never oh one look over here, third, fourth. No, it's never that. You got one, two, go, maybe three. And I'm curious because the last couple of years outside of injury, he knew he was the man. Yeah, he's the man now. But mm-hmm. you got somebody right there that's pushing you. That's as talented as you in, in different ways. They're not the same player. But as as talented, he's the quarterback of the future. And they can't hide him anymore. They've done everything they can to hide DeVito. And, you know, you say the name Tommy DeVito to Dino Babers, he looks at you like, you got lobsters <laughs> crawling out of your ears. Yep. Who is this young man you speak of? It's like, come on, man. Just you know, it. yeah. I, you can't do that anymore. You can't hide him anymore. I think DeVito might have the most arm talent on the team. Just, just from watching yeah. him, you know, in those 10-minute practices and everything else. And, and I talked about the intangibles, too. You, you always see him with a little posse, you know, he's on campus and such. Guys gravitate to him. A couple of receivers have already told me they enjoy going with DeVito when he's up. You know, and that that speak that tells me something. They've already got chemistry with him. They're really excited to get that's, to work with him. That's all good. And that and that's always. And I just knew that from high school being a receiver. The, your favorite quarterback is the one that's spinning you the ball. You know, he's making those reads and he's getting your touches uh, to your receivers and everything. So he's. I think personally, he might have the most arm talent on the team. But with Dungy, I say do not look backwards. Don't look over your shoulder. You can't do that ever in this game. You have to keep an eye forward. One on yourself and what you're doing, and then two. Make sure it's about the competition out there. You're competing to be one of the best quarterbacks in ACC, maybe in the nation if you could, if you can put some numbers up. So I want to see Dungy looking, and he he said it himself. I'm not worried about the competition here. No, I'm looking out there, out there that and, way. Yeah, through, <laughs> I keep pointing to, <laughs> through the, the windshield the in front of you, not the one behind. The you, yonder. Right? Well, listen, we're gonna have plenty of time to break this down much more throughout the summer. Training camp will be here before you know it, but uh, congratulations to you. Thank you. 
I have seen the hard work you've put in behind the scenes. It has been a pleasure to hang with you here and in other places and mm-hmm. get to know you personally away from uh, the media business as well. And I was thrilled that your name came up for this. And frankly, I told some people that were decision makers in this process, you'd be stupid not to hire this person. Oh. So I'm glad for once somebody, I think <laughs> anyway, listened to some sound advice. So congratulations, sir. Looking forward to everything. And we'll be hearing you not only here on ESPN Radio Syracuse yep. as usual, but on the Syracuse IMG Sports Network on the broadcast pregame and halftime. Thanks for having me. Julian Wiggum, ladies and gentlemen, also on the cover of the Syracuse University Alumni Magazine that arrived <laughs> in my mailbox the other day. I said, geez, I see this guy enough. Now they put him on this thing, too. What is going on here? We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. <laughs>